but because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His mercies never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. Well, I'm actually going to ask you if you would mind standing with me, and we're going to read the scripture together responsively. So can you stand together? It's going to be on the screen. We're in Matthew chapter 5. And what's going to happen is there's some light letters, and I hope you can read them. Uh, And I want you to read that part. I want you to read the promise part of the Beatitudes, okay? So I'm going to read, and then I'll point to you in case you you miss it and you can't see it. Oh, it's really kind of small. Well, we'll try. Maybe you've memorized it. No? Now, when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on the mountainside and he sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who, bef- who were before you. God bless his word. You can be seated. So we're in the second last week of our series called Kingdom Manifesto. And if you've been tracking along with us on Sundays, we've done this in series entirely online until now. So it was really nice to be able to stand and read the scripture together. These eight statements, each accompanied by a blessing and a promise from Jesus. Notions that were directed at the disciples of Jesus. Disciples then and now. And in Matthew 4, Jesus steps on the scene in this inaugural moment, and he is announcing the kingdom of heaven is near. It was a moment articulating that heaven and earth had collided, and the plan to see thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that plan had been initiated. And in Matthew 5, Jesus gathers his disciples on a hillside and begins to teach them what would be the norms of kingdom living. Think about that for a minute. One by one, we have looked at these statements of Jesus, and not once has it been implied that these are the exceptions to the norm. 
Not once have we uncovered that these characteristics can only be pursued if you are a special Christian operative in high Christian places. Not once have we read or witnessed that Jesus intends this to be what some of his followers look like. No. This is kingdom life. And if you are a follower of Jesus, as were the disciples sitting on a hill that day, this is normal, everyday kingdom As followers of Jesus, we realize our need for a Savior. We mourn our sin. We bring our strength under his control. We long for God. We show mercy. We have an undivided, focused heart. This is our manifesto. This is the banner under which we live. This is how we operate. This is where we can return when things sometimes go sideways and we need a reminder of what followers of Jesus looks like this is normal us turn to your neighbor and ask them are you normal oh I'm seeing lots of head shaking and so we come to this second last beatitude blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God Jesus is bestowing upon plain, ordinary, everyday followers like you and me quite an honor. Imagine the Prince of Peace tasking us as peacemakers. Yet that is what he's done. He's blessed us as peacemakers, and he's promised us that in this we are children of God. As he does this, Jesus once again turns life on its head. He once again reminds everyone that the kingdom of God is countercultural, counterintuitive. You'll remember that the people in the crowd that day were looking for a win. They were looking for a king who would defeat the Romans and set up his kingdom there. They had seen enough conflict, especially during the silence between the Old and New Testament where they had seen a few wars. Now to have someone step in with the promise of peace, well, that's exactly what they needed, or so they thought. Yet Jesus He wasn't establishing himself as the king of an earthly kingdom in the way that they had hoped. He was going for the heart. That's what these Beatitudes show us. That step by step, like rungs on a ladder, one by one, we get to go deeper and deeper with hearts that are more and more in step with God and his kingdom. And when we set Jesus as king in our hearts, as we have learned up to this point, when we align ourselves with the will and the heart of God, we can't just sit idly by anymore. 
we follow the lead of Jesus and we step in fully activated, not as lovers of peace, not as observers of peace, but as makers of peace. Because being a peacemaker is the norm for kingdom people. So let's first get rid of any preconceived ideas that we have about this word peace. Peace in the biblical sense is not the absence of war. It is not avoiding conflict. Peace is also not sitting by passively. When Jesus announces a blessing on the peacemakers in verse 9, he's not saying blessed are the peacekeepers or the lovers of peace. The blessing here in the Beatitudes is for the makers of peace. I feel like we have kind of a chicken and egg situation going on here. Which comes first? Is it that the characteristics of kingdom living lead to peacemaking? Or is it that peacemaking comes from the characteristics of kingdom living? Well, I'd suggest it's both. You see, as we align ourselves with Jesus, our lives with him, with the good news that he's announcing, with the mission that he's, been given, he's given us, when we walk in step with him, the characteristics listed here in Matthew 5, like I said, said become our normal way of life out of that we step into our culture as makers of peace not merely keepers of the peace but we before we get all riled up and we say yes that's exactly what our society needs christians infiltrating and influencing our culture and i don't disagree with that except our peacemaking our cause advancing, our course correcting must be done in alignment with kingdom characteristics too. When we forget this, things can quickly go off the rails and our peacemaking effort become just one more angry voice in the crowd. And that's not what we need. That's not what Jesus is inviting us to here. Instead, with a right understanding of peace, we can step into our culture, fully aligned with God, offering peace that the world simply cannot give. So what is that? What is that peace? Well, we've looked at it already as we were preparing for Christmas, we talked a little bit about peace. And the Hebrew word shalom, or the Greek word arene, it means a sense of totality or completeness. We define it with words like success, fulfillment, wholeness, harmony, security, well-being, tranquility. It is God's perfect Peace, his complete, lacking nothing type of wholeness and harmony. Shalom, peace, is so much more than just the absence of conflict. Another author defines shalom as 
everything as it should be. Everything in its place. Think about that for a second. When Jesus stepped into time and space, he came because everything was not as it should be. Things got messed up. Humanity messed up. We're pretty good at that, aren't we? It wasn't as it ought to be, as God intended it to be, to see people flourishing instead of dying, relationships growing instead of broken, conflicts resolved instead of spreading, hearts mended instead of shattered. And so Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom, the Prince of making everything as it should be, came to do just that. And when he did his part, for some reason, he thought it would be just fine to task us, you and me, with carrying on this work. Kingdom people empowered by the Holy Spirit who will step into the brokenness around us, not on a soapbox, but in meekness, in gentleness, pointing people to Jesus in the here and now. Because now, we are the peacemakers. We are blessed to make peace, to try to inch things back to the way they should be, to see people flourish, just as we ourselves would want to flourish. You see, if we say that peace is merely the absence of conflict, we would be missing so much of what kingdom life is. We would be missing out on so much of what God has for us and this world. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught, this, taught us to pray this prayer, and he shows us that kingdom life is possible in the here and now. And furthermore, it should be worked toward in our day-to-day, -day, even now, especially now. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the peace lovers, not the keepers of the status quo, not those hunkering down and simply waiting for peace to come, but those who are actively engaged in making peace, seeking to see those around us live their lives in unbroken relationship with God and with others, seeing everything as it should be. Author Scott Wessel helps us to understand how that can be part of our lives. And so he articulates these four ways that we can make peace. First, make peace with God. Thankfully, Jesus has made this possible for us. The cross, the blood, the death, the resurrection, this is for us. 
so we can have peace with God. To accept Jesus is to make peace with God. If you're not there yet, this is where we start. Make peace with God. The second way we can make peace is by helping others make peace with God. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's the good news. And our job, if you can believe it, is to pick up where he left off. If we forget that in our peacemaking, we miss an important part of living our life on mission. If we step into a broken relationship to help broker peace, for example, and we fail to concern ourselves with their heart and with their relationship with God, we've missed out. They've missed out. Wherever we step in as peacemakers, may we point them to God above all. Because, as Wessel says, peace in the world without peace in the soul is a false peace. So make peace with God. Help others make peace with God. Thirdly, make peace with others. Romans chapter 12, verse 18, it says, Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can, and me, to see that everything is in its place. To see that others flourish as you are flourishing. To see that there are no cracks between you and others. How's that working for you these days, by the way? There is no shortage of ways to disagree with others right now, is there? Whether it's your political bent, agreeing or disagreeing with lockdowns, wearing a mask, getting a vaccine, schools open or closed, dot, dot, dot. You know, I wonder if the Apostle Paul would have some sort of caveat if he were to write Romans chapter 12, verse 18 in 2021. Absolutely not. This is how we represent the NIV says it this way, inasmuch as it depends on me, representative of Jesus Christ, carrying with us the image of God, inasmuch as it depends on me, make peace with others. So, make peace with God. Help others make peace with God. Make peace with others. And finally, help to broker peace between others. Peacemakers, they step into the messiness of people's lives and they help find solutions. Sometimes it might cost us. It might cost us time. It might cost us energy. Sometimes it might even seem futile. But we are here because Jesus the Prince of Peace, didn't hesitate to step into our mess. It cost him everything so that we can have peace with God. And with the leading of the Holy Spirit, 
we can be peacemakers for others too. This is what peacemakers do. They have peace with God. They help others have peace with God. They make peace with others. And they help others have peace with each other. Imagine a world where the disciples of Jesus are fully activated, completely empowered makers of peace. This is normal kingdom life. You know, I can think of no greater challenge to which we can rise this morning. And we can start by simply saying, Holy Spirit, may I have eyes to see how I can help bring everything as it should be. When Jesus returns, he will put everything as it should be. But until that day, he has commissioned us as peacemakers to work to see thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Will you rise to that challenge today? Will you rise to that challenge?